The Big Fundamental Podcast, Kins Fives Podcast on the San Antonio Spurs and NBA basketball. I'm Jackson Floyd. That's Evan Klosky. What's up? Trade deadline madness, Evan. Yeah. Uh, we're minutes away now. We're doing this live on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, the podcast will be posted uh, wherever you listen to podcasts uh, after uh, after we air it here. Uh, but minutes left in the deadline, and things are happening like crazy. Yeah, this is like national Adrian Wojnarowski and uh, and Shamsterinia Day. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot going on. As you said, we got 15 minutes left in the trade deadline. Uh, Big surprise, Spurs have done nothing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we were uh, expecting anything. I mean, there's been some no. talk like this might be the time yeah. to kind of br- move away from DeMar uh-huh. and Marcus. But yeah, n- no move here in San Antonio. Yeah, and, and we're going to talk all about the Spurs in, in just a little bit. But the, the one that just came down the shoot was Andre Drummond uh, being traded from Detroit to Cleveland for essentially uh, a bag of balls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, was, I mean, John Henson, uh, Brandon Knight, and the second rounder for um, Drummond, who – uh, for the Pistons, this is just a clear salary dump. Yeah. And for the Cavs, I guess they assume that he's going to opt out. But if Drummond opts in, that really soaks up all of Cleveland's salary cap for next season, which just seems odd. You got Tristan Thompson, you have Kevin Love. I mean, yeah. What's going on? I mean, that's a, it's a loaded front court uh, there in um, it's the New York yeah. Knicks way. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're taking a page out of New York's book there. They made their own deal this week yeah, that we'll get yeah. to as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, I think that line's drumming up to be one of the top free agent buys this coming off season if he does opt out of this player option. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of money, though, I mean, to leave on the table if he, if he does opt out. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's an it's a, it's a it's, interesting move there. So, so the Andre Drummond opt-in question mark is the same one that DeMar DeRozan is going to have Mm -hmm. uh, where he's about to be owed $28 million, I believe. The fact of the matter is what we're seeing in this trade deadline, and and we'll go through a lot of these deals, but what we're seeing in this trade deadline are teams really – punting 2020 free agency, right? Yeah. They're, they're using up all their cap space. They say, screw it, we're going to make trades now. We're going to set ourselves up for next year. 2021 yeah. has always been that. That's when the everything's going to open up again. So really, the teams out there with cap space remaining, I mean, Detroit is going to be one of those teams. Yeah. Does a guy? I mean, we know Andre Drummond's not heading back there. Yeah. Does a guy like DeMar DeRozan want to head to Detroit in the market? I mean, they're really isn't a lot of teams out there who can use DeMar DeRozan's services as far as just scooping him up off the free agency yeah. wire, which is why when you look at the Spurs and you talk about why are they not making a deal, why is DeRozan not getting floated out, the sign-and-trade is way more of a fortuitous option because pretty much every team is now back open yeah. to where right now teams are not going to – make a move for DeMar if they're not in the race, one. And two, how many people are DeMar DeRozan away from making the title run? That's the other question. So it really does make sense for the Spurs to hang on tight with DeMar DeRozan. And if you're flipping out because you're keeping him, hang tight because even if he does opt out, there is still a chance to do a sign and trade a la what the Nets did with D'Angelo Russell, yeah. which is a perfect transition because he was dealt from the Warriors. This is a this is a fascinating trade because I, I think there was a conversation in Golden State about this would be interesting to watch Steph Curry, D'Angelo Russell. We don't know what they have on the court yet. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry, of course, has missed the season with uh, his injury there. Clay Thompson is out as well. Um, so you don't get to see those pieces there. Instead, D'Angelo Russell is going to Minnesota. Minnesota, this has been a highly coveted piece they've wanted. They really wanted to sign him 
uh, in the offseason. Yep. He goes to Golden State. They get their guy, uh, and in and, and, and doing so, they move on from Andrew Wiggins, who, who's been kind of a, a disappointment, I would say, for Minnesota there. Yeah, I think um, that's a very uh, fair thing <laughs> to say. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and so I, I'm interested to see what D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are going to be able to do together. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a pretty potent pair there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, uh, that trade, uh, which, by the way, is D'Angelo Russell going to Minnesota. Do we have it written down? There's yeah, a, I've got it here. Uh, yeah, I don't have say, the rest of it there. There's a few other players involved, uh, including, uh, yeah, I'm blanking on the names. There. But yeah, Golden <laughs> State sending up. a couple of players um, to Minnesota, getting Andrew Wiggins in return, and also getting draft picks. Uh, and I think that's very valuable to take these picks from Minnesota, yeah. uh, a team who's consistently terrible. There's a little bit of protection connected to the first round pick um, that would be available in 2021. That's a top three protected pick. They also get Minnesota's 2021 second round pick. So. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, first off, uh, let me just say that the yeah. Warriors now, I don't know if they're going to use the first rounder this year that they have just because they stink this year. Yeah. And then they have now a first rounder next year, which if we go off the history of the Minnesota Timberwolves, is probably going to be a top 10, top 15 pick yeah. no matter what. So that's great for a franchise who is building around now Clay, Steph, uh, Draymond. They're now going to have Wiggins and they're going to need an influx of young talent yeah. to come in. So those picks are kind of huge for them. They need cheap young talent. So that's why it's kind of important to have that. And um, Jacob Evans and Amari Spellman were the other ones. And again, the the bigger thing about this trade was that it got the Warriors underneath the tax threshold, Mm -hmm. which means they won't be a repeat offender, which means they are going to save oodles and oodles of money so that now when they go forward in the future and they compete for championships again and they want to go across that threshold, they can do so without getting chunked every single year because I can't even go into all the tax luxury rules. I don't even know them all, but repeat offenses, it's just nuts how much the money adds up. So you saw a lot of teams try to dip below that, reset the clocks, and get moving uh, again in the future. I I think it's really interesting to see if Wiggins is going to end up being an integral role in this team Mm -hmm. when next year when they're completely healthy, they've retooled, maybe they're bringing in a young guy, maybe they're sending this top pick they're going to have in this upcoming lottery um, for another role player or a, a sizable piece here, maybe package this with Wiggins and get someone else in as mm-hmm. well. Um, but it's interesting to see. Do you think they've expanded their championship window by doing this trade? Or, I mean, is, are they still going to be? Um, uh, you yeah. know, I, I will say this. When D'Angelo Russell and the signing trade happened in the offseason, the number one thing we all said was this could be a one-year rental. This could be a bridge, right? Clay Thompson is hurt. Uh, bringing D'Angelo Russell might allow the Warriors to compete this year for a championship while bridging the Clay Thompson gap. And when Clay comes back, then maybe they'll ship to Angela Russell for more assets and, and realign yeah. themselves uh, around their three who they've had forever and will continue to have forever. Yeah. Um, the fact that Steph got hurt just completely plummeted those chances. And so things change. Uh, I think if you're a Timberwolves fan, you have to be extremely happy. Will this work out? I mean, nothing in Minnesota ever does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you already know that Wiggins isn't working out. That marriage yeah. is terrible. People are fed up with him over there. Carl Anthony Towns, uh, from what we can read through the tea leaves, pretty much said, if you don't get D'Angelo Russell, I'm out. Yeah. Like, I'm going to start kicking and stomping my feet one year into a five-year deal. So the fact that he got to Angelo is going to make Carl Anthony Towns happy for the time being. Yeah. And I think that's a really good duo. Now, if you're the Warriors, um, look, going the pessimistic route is way too easy with Wiggins. Everything that you're thinking about Wiggins, I can't argue. There's been um, issues about his effort 
uh, energy, and he started off this season guns a blazing, and then kind of fell off the table. So look, we can go down that road if we want. There's there's plenty to talk about if we want to be negative. On the positive side for the Warriors, uh, what they might be thinking is, hey, he's what 24, 25. Yeah, he's under 25. Yeah, he's still super, super young. We forget that. Um, so. There's still a whole nother part of his career to unlock. And he's also never been part of a winning culture. I mean, Jimmy Butler tried to bring that to Minnesota. I think Andrew Wiggins was someone he was very frustrated with. And that was an issue. And part of the reason why Butler said, screw this, I'm out. Um, So, you know, you're hoping that Steph, Clay, and a lot, I'm sure Draymond Green is is going to say, hey, that, that soft you-know-what is not going to last here. And the goal would be to make Wiggins the Andre Iguodala role for the Warriors, which he has the potential to do. Uh, and, and I do say for a lot of people now, on the Wolves, Wiggins had to do a lot. Yeah. Now on the Warriors, when they're at full strength, not talking about this year, next year, when they're at full strength, he's what, the the. The third option, maybe fourth. the fourth, depending yeah, on mean, Draymond, exactly. the drop off you see from him. But yeah, so, so the fact is, now he's gonna have easier looks because uh, Steph and Clay are gonna get so much attention. Yeah. He'll have open looks. He's a shooter, and uh, if he can just bring the effort consistently, I, I think there's a lot of reasons to think this could work out. Um, but it's going to be on Wiggins to prove people wrong on the yeah. energy side, and and that's the risk. The Warriors are taking, but you know I think it's something that if you're a Golden State fan, you're you're willing to see it out. I don't think it's a negative by any means, but yeah. it's something where we'll be watching next year to yeah. see how this all unfolds because this year just punted. So you mentioned a former Warrior, Andre Iguodala. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was involved in the trade, but before we talk about that one, uh, some breaking news that have come down here: a three-team trade between oh, the Clippers, go. the Knicks, and the Wizards. Marcus Morris. New York Nick heading now to Los Angeles to play with the Clippers. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas is joining him in L.A. now from the Wizards there. Um, that's that's wild. I, I don't exactly see who the Knicks are getting back. I think the Knicks, it's just a, the a Knicks are getting Mo Harkless and a 2020 first-round pick, which I wonder what first-round pick that I assume is the Clippers' first-round pick. Which, I imagine so. Which, which is, is going to be, what, like 30, 29? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, what I, sure, great for them. But, you know, Mo Harkless, by the way, he's good. They can just let go. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really a nothing burger for them. I mean, I guess if they wanted to re-sign Marcus Morris in the offseason, they can do that too yeah. and, and steal a first-rounder out of it. Um, so, I mean, I sure, I mean, if you're the Knicks, whatever, get an asset. I mean, they got a 2020 first round. Look, they, they signed Marcus Morris late, uh, stole him from the Spurs essentially, yeah. and they, they turned it into a first-round pick. So, I mean, from a Knicks perspective, did the Marcus Morris signing ever make sense? No, but – if they were thinking like, hey, if you know, blank hits the fan, and we got to make some deadline moves, we can find an asset yeah. for him. So from that perspective, I, I give the Knicks a, a, some credit there. Uh, for Marcus Morris, if you thought that you were gonna make the Knicks a winner and you were gonna stay there the entire year without being talked about in trade discussions, yeah. you were foolish. And you know, he talked about how he wanted to be close to home and how important it was. And now he's shipped across the country, yeah, so he's about as far away as, as he could far be, far so. away from New York as possible. So you know, I. For Just, the Clippers, though, I mean, they're getting Morris, who at the trade deadline was kind of considered one of the more like valuable pieces to bring in. Absolutely. And then Isaiah Thomas, a guy with a couple of question marks around him. He's not the same Isaiah Thomas we saw mm-hmm. in Boston. Hasn't really returned to that full strength. 
But I mean, maybe there's a chance. I think the Clippers are hoping, bargaining on a chance, yeah. they might be able to get something if you put him next to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Patrick Beverly and this team that's the second best team in the Western Conference right now. Maybe he can kind of return to form. Yeah, I don't even think. I don't know what Isaiah Thomas did. They, the Wizards got Jerome Robinson. So to me, they just got rid of. Isaiah Thomas, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know how much value Isaiah Thomas brings. He's got some depth. I don't think he's ever going to be what he was with the Celtics for those couple of years. But you get Marcus Morris, which, I mean, you're just adding to a stacked team already. Yeah. Gives you a great uh, forward who has been one of the more efficient three-point shooters this season, and that creates a wonderful option as far as spacing on the floor. Yeah. And you already got guys like Kawhi and Paul George who are already bigger-sized and, and a lot to handle. Um, and again, I'm going to transition. This is yeah. also a good counter move to what the Rockets did and their trade, if we want to go into that. So this is uh, the kind of the one that kicked off the trade deadline week, a big four-team mm-hmm. deal. Um, Houston sends Clint Capella to Atlanta. They bring in Robert Covington, Jordan Bell. Today they ended up actually sending Jordan Bell off as Illustrious well. Illustrious Houston career. <laughs> just uh, Yeah, I think he compared it to David Justice yeah, yeah, and the yeah, Mets. Yeah, the Mets, there, yeah. So. Well, just, um, Atlanta, Atlanta now, though, has a core of Trey Young, Kevin Herter, uh, DeAndre Hunter, Collins, Capella, that was pretty stacked. But yeah, Deadman, which we can talk about. But the Rockets are now committing full time to small ball, mm-hmm. in a sense, by sending off Clint Capella. PJ Tucker is not going to be their five. I, I, I think there was rumors that they're, they're still trying to find someone who can be a center if they yeah. need to go big. Um, but Robert Covington now fits into this mix here for the for the Rockets. Yeah. So look, uh, I'm very very concerned about the Rockets in making championship pursuits. Yeah. The small ball thing is great. I think, you know, if you're being ahead of the curve, whatever they're doing, sure, I'm going to see it play out. And I trust they're a smart front office and they got something cooking. And uh, another reason why they traded Clint Capella, because I know this was a question mark for a lot of people out there, but it was a bit of a penny-pinching move by uh, the owner. So Maury had to do something to get money off the books. Yeah. Capella was just paid. Capella was an expendable piece because if you look at some of the numbers, the way they utilize the pick and roll is just not what they were doing two years ago. Yeah. Uh, they're actually, I mean, it's like one of the worst in the league you now. So from an offensive standpoint, Capella's not necessary. Yeah. To what they have when they brought in Ross and the way they're transitioning their, their offensive uh, game plan, Capella's not necessary. But he still was necessary on the defensive end. So I'm still wondering what is going to happen on that side. Are they yeah. just going to get, like, I mean, you can get a Todd Gibson from the Knicks or something for yeah. cheap. I, you know, there are options out there. But, you know, I was thinking after that deal went down, can the Spurs go to the the Rockets and say, what can you give us with Pirtle? Yeah. But the Rockets have nothing. Yeah. They have zip. And the only person I would really want for Pirtle is Covington. And they're not going to trade Covington. Yeah. You know, I think Covington's a really good fit. I mean, again, we're going to talk about this, and I have a lot of thoughts on where the Spurs should go. But a 3 and D guard is something they absolutely need. You know, we need to replace that Bryn Forbes role yeah. with somebody who can play defense and shoot threes. So that is of the utmost importance with how the team is built right now. Covington certainly fits that. I think he's getting a little older. I don't know how much he's that's the guy I want, but he's under, you know, contract for another couple of years, manageable contract. So that would have been an option, but I honestly wonder if this is the Rockets kind of punting on a championship this year. That looking at the way the team's built and things like that, knowing they're not going to compete because this team is going to run into Jokic, they're going to run into Davis if they're making a push and they're not going to have a guy to guard them. And that's my thing, you know, maybe you can 
handle Jokic to an extent. Uh, you look, I don't love the Nuggets come playoff time. Uh, you know, we saw last year, I mean, the Spurs almost knocked them out yeah. as a two seed. They, when it comes to the NBA playoffs, it is stars, period. You need five. Six, seven. I mean, like, really, like, the best players are going to play heavy minutes, yeah. you know? Kawhi Leonard managed his time all of last year with the Raptors. And then what happened in the playoffs? He played every single game. He cranked Heavy up, yeah. minutes. And he was a force. And that's what's going to happen. The best players come to play in the playoffs. The regular season is just managing your load the entire way. So the problem with the Nuggets is they are built around depth, and depth does not work. That's not a good formula in the playoffs. So I'm not really as worried about the Nuggets. But the Lakers... The Lakers are a problem. Yeah. Now, maybe small ball can kind of catch DeVale McGee running back and forth in transition. Maybe Dwight Howard the same way. Anthony Davis can can handle it. Yeah. You know, LeBron James is a, a, a tall drink of water as well. He's a problem. They just There's too many issues with the Lakers that I just – I have a huge concern about how on earth the Rockets are going to get past the Lakers. Yeah. You know, like uh, now before this deal, you know, I think Marcus Morris certainly helps against the Rockets. But I said that deal for the Rockets was great against the Clippers. But the Lakers are there. You mean, I just I, I don't see it. I don't see it for them. Yeah. I think they're in deep trouble. And the Lakers stay put here at the trade deadline. And there's a lot of conversation, you know, reaching out for Kyle. Kyle Kuzma was a guy mentioned. Yeah, as who, maybe a who potential Marcus been Morris pulled guy. off the market. He has. I mean, there's a lot of interest in Alex Caruso, but they're not moving on from them. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be players in the buyout market mm-hmm. come after a trade deadline, uh, bringing a couple extra pieces there. That's kind of been the the modus operandi for past LeBron teams that 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 compete for the champion, could compete for championships. Um, I don't think the Morris trade pushes the Clippers over the Lakers. I think no. the Lakers are still the favorite. Yeah, you know, it adds a certain, it adds another element. And remember, yeah. I mean, the Clippers have also beaten the Lakers twice yeah. this season. So uh, mentally, I think at least they have an advantage. Um, but, you know, I still think it's going to be a battle in L.A. for the Western Conference. And uh, the, it's 2 o'clock, and sometimes some of these deals trickle in past yeah. the deadline. But uh, to our extent, I mean, it looks like everything's done. We'll see. We'll see. There's probably a couple more alerts coming. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, at this point, the Rockets don't have a center. Yeah. And that is a very intriguing way to go about playing some basketball I'd, I'd be calling Joakim Noah and seeing if he wants to come out of retirement maybe that's an or option. something but yeah there's but even it's so scarce. I mean really that's your answer yeah. Noah I mean like a guy that couldn't even cut it for the Knicks yeah, you know exactly. it's just like yikes so there's one last kind of major deal that I want to talk about and oh, I, yeah, I just course, want to mention yeah. about the Hawks I mean you, we talked about this a little bit before about eating up cap space now versus in free agency and that's exactly what the Hawks are doing they're a team that has tons of cap space and though they're not going to do anything this year, they're building towards the future. They yeah. bring in Capella. They bring in Deadman, And now their center position stabilized with a guy like Trey Young. Pick and roll uh, is certainly an option. you got Herder. So they're building something around there. Yeah. But again, they soaked up that cap space to, to prove to you that the – that cap space was, didn't mean anything to them entering the offseason, yeah. thus taking another name out of the sweepstakes for a potential uh, DeMar DeRozan spot. Yeah. So. I, Atlanta, I, that core is impressive, that young core they've got there now. Probably mm-hmm. one of the best in, in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, I'd put maybe Memphis alongside them, who were, were a major they player. They did a lot, yeah. Uh, this this uh, trade deadline here, uh, including the, the, the deal with Miami. 
Um, Memphis was able to move on from Andre Iguodala, who they traded for in the offseason from Golden State. Uh, Iguodala never showed up for Memphis, never dressed. Was kind of, I think, playing for a buyout, maybe wanting to, to, yeah, to pick I mean, his market. You know, I, uh, you know, I had this discussion with one of my friends, and, and he brought up a good point. I mean, I think it was. I mean, Iguodala's get, been getting a lot of heat, and I was on that side. Yeah. Uh, I also do believe that the Mem- Memphis never brought Iguodala to play. That's true. They brought Iguodala uh, for cap space, mm-hmm. you know, to, to take on a contract. And I think there was never really any thought of making Iguodala a part of the team. You know, immediately yeah. it was like, okay, Iggy is going to um, – he's going to come in and we're going to – try to buy him out immediately. Then they said, no, we're going to wait, get an asset for him. And then if you're just waiting to get an asset for him, then why have him play and risk injury? It's true. So, I mean, but as far as all the drama on Twitter, Dylan Brooks, <laughs> who got a contract extension yeah. uh, based on a great year he's having this year, John Morant, Steph Curry, they're all going at it right now. It's too bad that Memphis doesn't play Miami again on this this schedule, Miami where uh, Andre Iguodala landed uh, because – I'd love to see the beef. I'd love to see the beef this season. Yeah, and of course, Justice Winslow going to Miami. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I mean, Memphis, so yeah, yeah you Memphis can discuss there. that. Yeah, I think this is a really smart move on Memphis there. I think Winslow is a guy that Miami was ready to move on. He hadn't really found his way into the rotation. They were starting Duncan Robinson over mm-hmm. him at the small forward. Winslow's still only 23. I think he's a young guy who, in the right situation, given the right situation, uh, can can still continue, mm-hmm. be a solid role player, uh, maybe even a starter. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he fits in with the Grizzlies and their rotation here. But that's a young core that's really strong. I think John Morant is an, a great young yeah. leader there. Uh, I'm really impressed with the the draft they had this past offseason. Even Brandon Clark was, has been a strong contributor there. Uh, Justin Jackson, the, uh, at the, the Jaron Jackson at uh-huh. the, the power forward position. Uh, just a really strong young core. Uh, and I think Winslow's going to fit right in. Yeah, I, I don't know how Winslow fits offensively speaking mm-hmm. with John Morant. I mean, right, if, if everything's going to center around job where are you putting Winslow? He's not a great shooter, certainly not a great shooter from the outside. Um, I, do, I do think that he brings a, a great defensive mentality. Yeah. I think he's a very solid defender. So if you're thinking about like grit and grind, like the old school Memphis, old school, I mean, you know, what, five? <laughs> Ten years ago, yeah. yeah. <laughs> whatever. You know what I'm saying. But I mean, when you think about the Memphis Grizzlies, you think about grit and grind, I think they're building towards grit and grind part two. Yeah. And with Jaron Jackson and John Morant, Chirpin and Dylan Brooks. I mean, they're they're bringing an edge. Yeah. So I, I think they're developing that character, and they're certainly a team that has offensive explosions lately, but has struggled defensively. So maybe Winslow is just going to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 just again building on that young core. I think maybe he can find a shot. He hasn't done that in his in college or in the NBA. Um, he's not going to be that three and D guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe just a D guy. Um, but hey, they did it with Tony Allen ten years ago. So yeah. yeah. So. We'll I, we'll see. I mean, yeah. I, I think that Memphis is building a little faster than we all thought, and that's what's going to happen when you draft a guy like John Moran, who's a will be a perennial All Star. So I, I think this move also indicates that the eighth seed is kind of out of reach for the Spurs now. I mean, it was to already extent. trending that way, but uh, Memphis is a team on the up. Um, we'll see because uh, Memphis, by the way, uh, last I checked on Tankathon, yeah. has the hardest schedule remaining. They so, made the run at the right time, though. Now they, they beat the Mavs. So I mean, like yeah. you know, that's, uh, without Doncic, yeah. but. I mean, this year they're 13 and four. They've won 75% of the games in this calendar year since January 1st. Uh, I, I just think the Spurs are 
not going to be able to push that run. They, of course, according to Tankathon, the Spurs have a, a better chance of, you know, a better schedule ahead than, than some of these teams ahead of them. But, I mean, I, this might be the time to turn to the Spurs. They didn't hit the panic button here at the trade deadline. They stayed put. Mm-hmm. Is that an indication that they think they're going to make a push for that eighth seed, still make a no, push for the playoffs? I just, what I hope fans understand is that the Spurs are stuck at the fork in the road. Yeah. And um, Agent Wojnarowski mentioned earlier in a podcast before the NBA trade, line, trade deadline special that if there was a team out there or teams that would take on DeMar, LaMarcus, and Rudy all at once, they would entertain that yeah. to, to go all in and shove it all away and start regrouping. That market is not out there. So what do you do? And right now, the best thing, at least for DeMar, is to sign and trade and leave that possibility in the offseason. Yeah. There are not enough suitors right now for DeMar, nor cap space to figure it out. Like, yeah. it just, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So just wait on that. Uh, with LaMarcus Aldridge, it's the same thing. Uh, next year, he's an expiring contract. But who wants LaMarcus Aldridge? Yeah. I mean... You know, that's with all your frustrations and the way that I hear you talk about LaMarcus on Twitter, like, you have to also think, like, then you just want to trade him and you think that some team is just going to be like, oh, yippee. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, just saying trade him doesn't work. You yeah. know, there's got to be, you got to get value for him. And just trading someone to trade someone is not what the Spurs do. Yeah. They do not do Andre Drummond deals where they just ship someone off and say, hey, take the money and, you know, Whatever, we're done with this. So they do not do that. So um, I don't know what necessarily was out there. Yeah. Pirtle's name was thrown around, but I think the Spurs wanted a lot for him, rightfully so, because I think that they view him as a future piece to this team, especially defensively. I will say there's an argument to be had. Are you willing to pay $16 million to a guy who's coming off the bench I think next year you have to figure out a way for LaMarcus and Pirtle to coexist in a starting lineup if you're going to pay him. And that means really telling LaMarcus to play like he's six foot eight, stretch the floor, just shoot threes, don't live in the post too much, don't worry about rebounds. We need you getting back and we need you just shooting threes. If you got to do that, you got to do that. But um, there's, there's just. It just, it's very complicated for the Spurs. Yeah. It's very, very complicated. And Bryn Forbes would have been a great kicker into a deal, but he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not getting paid anything. So you can't just trade him because you got to take something back yeah. and you're getting nothing. So why not just keep Bryn? Uh, Marco would have been fine if somebody would have taken the money, I guess. But again, who, who wanted him? You know, what were you getting in return yeah. if not? pennies if nothing you know and the spurs are already under the luxury tax so they don't have to worry about that there's just there's no reason that they had to make deals nor were there fortuitous deals out there for them to make so i am confident that brian wright and company were exhausting all resources and that means even trying to bring in people not necessarily for this year but what i talked about with the atlanta hawks Think forward thinking. You know, I'm a baseball guy. Like the Mets traded for Marcus Stroman. He had a year and a half left in a contract. They weren't necessarily in the playoff race, but they thought, okay, this is a good trade for us to make now to help us next season. So I I know that they were doing that too. And 
Uh, maybe I think they could have floated out. I wanted them to float out the first rounder to Minnesota for Covington yeah. and see what if that could have worked and, and make some money work in that in that regard. And um, you know, probably would have taken another couple of picks in some regard to chunk in Damari with that deal to make the money work. Yeah. But I mean, I think the most upsetting thing is it looks like Damari has no suitors from what I've seen, and uh, you know, it's been over. So I, that was the one thing that I thought they were going to figure out, but. You know, the Damari thing is just such a, a waste. I wonder if he suits back up again, if he finds some minutes. They they get some meaningful minutes out of him since they weren't able to trade him and just see what happens. Just roll with it, you know, and maybe he can find a way into it. Maybe it's just five minutes a game here and there. But, I mean, otherwise you're paying a guy a dozen million dollars this year to, to sit out, and then you got him on the books for next year too. So I am very cons- – look, when it comes to Spurs, always read between the lines. What happened – it's very rare for the Spurs to give up on someone that yeah. quickly. They, he really didn't even have a chance. Now, Pop and company see him every day in practice. I don't know what goes on there. But you can assume by what happens every day in practice or, or what is going on mm-hmm. that something is not right. Or he was, you know, rumors where he, he didn't come into camp in shape. Yeah. And I don't know if there's something that we're missing here. He didn't look particularly bad when he came into garbage time. So... And when you don't suit up a player, when you tell them to just you're not even you're not even on the injury report, you're just yeah. not you're not even here. That's a problem, yeah. you know. And if you're a player, you're not happy. He's he's kind of been vocal on Twitter, not directly calling out the Spurs, but just kind of saying, "Hey, I'm waiting for my chance. I'm ready yeah. to go. I'm going to play," and things like that. Um, in, in more words or less, but it, it, yeah, there must be something that we're missing between the lines, something that's happening in practice, and maybe it is just a, a, a an in shape issue here. Um, I, I think, yeah, I'm with you that the right move here is, is just to kind of wait and see that you don't punt on Demar and Lamarcus just yet. Wait and see if there's an option for him over the summer. If not, I think even bring him back. You know, try to sign him to a longer year deal. This is a top ten offense here with some defensive holes, and you can address those. Yeah. So I got to I got to work on how the salary. Cap's going to figure out. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so here's my thoughts on the Spurs. One, I'm, I still think DeMar opts out. I don't think it's a guarantee anymore. Yeah. Solely because there are not many teams out there with with the luxury of spending on him. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're DeMar, you want to opt out because you want to start a new contract and get one more sizable contract in you Yeah. because this is it for him. This last contract is pretty much all he's going to get. So you opt out, at least you, you're, you're getting a contract at a younger Age, even if that's opting out and working out a deal with the Spurs with a with a Spurs team friendly deal, yeah. and maybe you're not making max money, you're making twenty five million a year over four years. Maybe you're you're taking that to to buy into the longevity of the contract versus just you know getting the most money you can. Yeah. Um, so that is something worth figuring out. Um, but yeah, I mean we're gonna see because the problem is is if. DeMar DeRozan and building around him is one route. And sign and trading him is a totally different route. Yeah. Which way are you going to go? I mean, like, you, you have to have such – you have to already think about three moves after you trade DeMar. Like, what are you going to do? Because once you trade DeMar, I, I've already said this before, I think Keldon can fit into DeMar's role right now. In terms of the scoring. In terms yeah. of the scoring. He can't distribute like DeMar. Uh, I'm certainly not going to say he can put up buckets like mm-hmm. DeMar, at least quite yet. Keldon uses body 
fantastically in the paint. That's really his mo. He's he's just a straight line driver. He's very uh, he's like an amoeba there in the paint. He can manipulate his shots, get to the line. He provides nothing for you beyond the arc. Yeah. And but he is a defensive upgrade. So um, there are certainly some thoughts that I would have with that, but. I don't see him running the point, you yeah. know, like that DeMar can do. So there, I say that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about it on the Big Fun Pod before that DeMar's underrated, most underrated asset is his distribution, his playmaking. Yeah. And it's something that he introduced into his game in his first year in the Spurs. Uh, he's continued that here, and the Spurs are more successful when mm-hmm. he is being a distributor, when he's racking up the assists, and when he's not. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's going to be something that you replace. And hopefully, maybe if Calvin is the guy you replace with the scoring, DeJounte can pick up the playmaking effort, or Derek mm-hmm. White can pick up the playmaking yeah. effort down the line. And, you know, the eventually there. we will trickle into some of the, the recent play of the Spurs, yeah. but this is really more bigger picture kind of stuff. Um, you know, with... I think that free agency, why well, I mentioned the 3 and D, right? I think yeah. when you get into free agency, Marco, see you later. Bryn, see you later. Just part ways with them. And you got to find a 3 and D. I, I don't know what a contract would look like with Joe Harris. I believe he's a free agent. I think mm-hmm. it's also around $16 million per. Uh, he's, I think the things I read is that he's going to double his current contract. But that's kind of a guy you want to bring in. He's worked with Popovich with Team USA. Uh, I'd be very interested to see if the money can work out for Joe and, and if – Brian Wright has to make some things happen to to make the money work out to bring him in because I feel like that's an asset. But remember, I mean, this is me thinking about the offense with DeMar in it. Yeah. With with him driving and and you got spacers out there. So without DeMar, what does the offense look like? I mean, it's got to go back through LaMarcus as your number one option. And maybe that means he's taking less three-pointers, which would be a shame because we've seen this offense kind of blossom when he is doing that. Um, and then you got to hope that a guy like Keldon or DeJounte or Derek White, if you bring Derek White back into the starting lineup as your mm-hmm. your, your playmaker, your scorer, in the way that he was doing in the, in the playoffs against Denver uh, and then that run he had in January of last year uh, when he just was excellent on the offensive end. And, of course, he's a fantastic defensive player. Um, and then you maybe just surround LaMarcus and Derek and DeJounte with two more shooters. If Trey Lyles can start being more efficient at yeah. the three-point shot, I don't think he's a guy we talked about last time as the Spurs meant to start every game this season. And I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of uh, – Trey Lyles, I think, has done a, a very formidable job yeah. stepping into a situation as the Spurs' plan B option yeah. because, of course, they signed him after Marcus Morris fell through. Uh, he just – he's just not that good. Yeah. You know, he, they are – they are, look, there are certain players where you play them 10 minutes and they look fantastic. You play them 15 minutes, they look terrible. He is playing way in a role that is above his head. Yeah. And in that offense, you know, uh, the way that they have it structured, he all he really is asked to do is rebound. But he ends up being the free option because people say, well, if you're going to beat us, let Trey Lyles hit some shots. Yeah. And he, he just is not consistent enough. No. And he's just not good enough offensively. On the boards, he does well for his size, but he's not dominant. So I just, I, you know, I, I mean, I would part with him too. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I, I'd rather just play Metu. Yeah. You know, just if you have Metu, work Metu into that role and tell him rebound. And I think he's a better shooter if he, you know, he just hasn't had confidence this year. Yeah. I mean, in I, the I, limited time we saw him. Lyles is a guy, I think, turning downward. Pirtle, I think, is the guy turning upward Absolutely. as your starter. And like you said, yeah, if you can get LaMarcus to, to make another adjustment in his game, 
then maybe Pirtle is a viable starter. And you just kind of hope that DeJounte and Derek and Lonnie Walker, who I don't think is a starter yet, but can, can kind of move into that role and keep progressing as players, as these young core for the, the Spurs there. Uh, another guy we haven't mentioned is Luka Shamanich who has shown flashes in mm-hmm. the G League. I don't think he's NBA-ready yet, but next year he might be the guy yeah. getting 10 minutes a game. He might be getting Bellinelli's minutes for all we know. Yeah, but. you know, and, and I love seeing Luka Shamanich go to work uh, down the G League. You're seeing just yeah. the raw talent emanate from him in, in some of these highlights. Sometimes you get a lot of these highlights, and it's him in transition just overpowering, you know, Weaker talent, let's say. I mean, getting very high percentage buckets without getting challenged. I mean, you got to remember, Luka Shamanich is a first-rounder for a reason. He should be one of the better players in the G League. Uh, Just because he's down there doesn't mean that he shouldn't be one of the the best. Same thing with Keldon, right? Keldon dominated, and that's the way it should be for a guy against talent where it's a bunch of undrafted guys and a handful of people who can uh, maybe sniff the NBA at some point. So... um, it's getting to the point where Shamanich probably needs to be challenged in some regard. Yeah. But I just do caution everyone. He, he's got some time. He's, he, there's still some raw elements to him. I can't even begin to tell you uh, any thoughts of him defensively. I don't really know that. They don't They don't show defensive uh, highlights on Twitter. And plus, you're going against G League guys, yeah, too. Right? And then that's some the of th- them are first-rounders. Some of them are guys they signed with the team. Yeah, the G League is not known for defense anyway. Yeah. So, you know, there's one thing when you, you're down there, and then you get, it, you get thrown into Greg Popovich's coaching. Yeah. Um, and you say, you know, okay, now I got to learn this whole system. And um, so, yeah, look, Shamanich is part of the, the big picture. Mm-hmm. You, you talk about, I think the Spurs are a 2021 team. You know, look, I mean, I just, I need to see DeJounte and Derek provide offensive numbers on night and night out basis. But of course, it's mitigated by having guys like LaMarcus and DeMar, and I get it. So, and Mills, and, and in certain and Mills, instances yeah. too. He's guy, when he's in the game, he's taking his shots. Yeah. And, and that's, detracting from White and Murray. But, I mean, Mills has been excellent this season, mm-hmm. so you want that. Uh, I'm with you. I think this is a 2021 team. If you are signing and trading, uh, sign, and, sign and trading DeMar next season, maybe you just do what the Grizzlies did and just run your young guys out there. That hasn't been the Spurs' way. They've never done that. The Spurs have never been in this situation, though. Yeah. But you, maybe they get comfortable. Maybe they make a run in January like the Grizzlies did, and then you hit the rodeo road trip, and who knows what happens. Yeah. God, I don't even know. I like, I, I'm telling you, and I've said this before, I just do not know what you're doing that's yeah. why when you talk about the trade deadline, nothing's happened. and yeah. I mean, nothing's ever happened for the Spurs, really. Yeah. We, the last time a, a midseason deal is done in 2014, and it was Austin Day, uh, you know, just a— um, NBA champion Austin Day. Yeah, we you. look, uh, <laughs> not to sully his name, and you know, a former Zag, of course, but uh, just—it yeah. is so complicated. And, of course, the decisions they made in this offseason with Rudy Gay and him falling off the table at least— with the way he looks, he's still got something left in the tank. Yeah. But, I mean, he is clunking around on the court this year a way he was not last year. I mean, he puts the ball on the ground. It's like almost a turnover, like, yeah. half the time. <laughs> you know, I, And Damari Carroll, I mean, just two swings and misses this offseason. So this, this kind of leads to a bigger question here. First of all, maybe the Spurs just aren't good at midseason trades. Maybe that's a skill the front office doesn't have. This is also a front office kind of in transition, as, as mm-hmm. we've talked about. I mean, R.C. Buford's not the man 
on the phone making the the, the, the moves anymore. He still plays a role there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and in that case, this is just isn't something good. They haven't done it in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, since 2011, 12, you'd say they have one great trade when getting Kawhi Leonard, one pretty good trade and parting with Kawhi and Danny Green to bring in Demar and uh, Yaka Pertl and a first round pick that turned into Kelvin Johnson, which was a deal that was forced upon them. Exactly. So this isn't a situation they find themselves in often. They might not have the the experience, the skills to to, to take care of it. But yeah, I, and you know, you it's always tough to remember that for 20 years, they never had to worry about this, you know? Like, I think I saw a comment, people talk about, like, oh, the Spurs don't play team basketball anymore. Well, you know, the Spurs also don't have three Hall of Famers on the court anymore. It's a little bit of a difference, you know? It just, the way the game works is different. The talent you have is different. You... The one thing you just got to stop doing is comparing these Spurs to what the Spurs were when they had just, you know, I don't know if this franchise is ever going to see that again. You know, they hit the lottery. You know, they they, (laughs) literally, (laughs) seriously, they hit the lottery with the Admiral. They hit the lottery with Tim Duncan. Yeah. Um, And then they were ahead of the game on the European scouting. Exactly. And it's where they ahead of the game now. And if you look at their draft picks, they, they have an inclination to draft lengthy guards. They love their guards, uh, huge wingspans. Yeah. Um, they love athletic combo guards, fo- uh, forward guard. I mean, look at Keldon, look at Lonnie, and uh, even look at uh, – now I'm transitioning into the next point, which is yeah. just sort of that 6'11", can do it all. You think of – Porzingis, who was someone they were enamored with. You know, you need that Giannis, that freak out there. And that's where Luka Shamanich comes in, a 6'11 dude who can score off the dribble, who can shoot three-pointers, who can create his own shot. Those are the types. I mean, they're trying to find the most athletic players to bring in, and they're trying to find superstar-type talent to hit home runs. They're not out here to hit uh, singles and doubles, which is what we talked about when getting Brandon Clark in the draft would have been yeah. a very safe pick, you know, just hit a hot shot down the line and, and you're pulling up in a second. But they need to hit home runs because when you're San Antonio and his franchise, you don't get big free agents, yeah. which is why I circle back when you talk about DeMar and LaMarcus, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, keep the stars when you get them, I think, is the, the mode here. And, I mean, we, that's questions I'm going to have to address this offseason. Uh, for the present, though, they're staying put, and they're going to have to continue down the rodeo road trip, um, which you know, they're two games in. The third game of the trip is tonight. Um, before we talk about that and transition out of trade deadline, just a quick note. Davis Bertans was a guy that was kind of shopped around, mentioned. Mm-hmm. It sounded like the asking price from the Wizards for Bertans was two first-round picks. So talk about a spike in value. Uh, he was a guy, kind of a, a throwaway trade the Spurs made to bring in Marcus Morris and Damari Carroll. And then suddenly, yeah, he's worth two first-round picks, I guess. Well, he's worth two first-round picks to the Wizards. <laughs> exactly. He wasn't traded, so everyone told them to shove it. <laughs> I mean, the Spurs might be able to use uh, his three-point shooting here on the road trip uh, that they're on right now. Uh, yeah, look, we, we definitely discussed that. They could have loved Davis to some regard. But again, Davis was not a fix-all. Yeah. You know, the, the second unit for the Spurs certainly doesn't have issues with scoring beyond the arc, especially with how Patty Mills has been playing. Yeah. So that's not necessarily the problem. So, you know, I, I do want to say that. And it's like, oh, we'll throw Davis Bertans in a starting rotation. Well, it's like, okay, I mean, Davis is not known to be a rebounder like yeah. Lyle. So, sure, you're going to hit more threes thanks to replacing him, but your defense is also going to suffer too. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, he, he's not the answer for this time. Uh, a rocky start to the road trip. 
Um, they go to Los Angeles. That that Clippers game was game one here of the Radio Road Trip. A game that they were in. A heartbreak. A game that they I mean, it's had, a heartbreak. You know? So, I mean, you can't have a 19-point third quarter and hope to win. But they had a 19-point third quarter, and we're still in the game. Look, ugh, if you let's just say this, and let's be honest. When you entered the rodeo road trip, did anybody pencil in the Spurs going 2-0 and in L.A. back-to-back? No. You know, you were praying for one. Yeah. Praying for one, but you expected to lose both. Right? So am I surprised they lost both? No. Am I heartbroken? Because they had that Clippers game. They were up by five with, like, less than three minutes to play yeah. and just didn't score again until the very last second, you know, yeah, tenth of a second, whatever it was. That, that was the wrong time to have a drought, <laughs> to yeah. have a scoring drought. So, I mean, look, the, the Clippers, uh, they, the Spurs played an excellent game. They played their you-know-what's off. Yeah. And uh, when you play a team like the Clippers, you have to – and they did it early in the season at home, and they held them to like 90 or something points, yeah. you know. And it's different when you go into their house, you know, uh, you have to remain consistent wire to wire. And if you have any slip-ups, they are going to take advantage because they are the better team. Yeah. They're just the better team. So it, like, it's frustrating to watch a team put together a pretty darn good game, and especially a great one defensively. Yeah, talk about. I mean, what they did to Kawhi Leonard. I mean, public enemy number one. Maybe it's just knowing yeah. Leonard's skill set, but they were doubling him on the drives, forcing him to pass out. The Clippers hit some shots, weren't hitting other shots. He wasn't able to get into a rhythm though, and I think that really kind of kept them in the game. The Spurs in the game for a while there, yeah. uh, and then you saw great defensive efforts again from Pirtle, from Derek White. It's just, yeah, coming up short in the scoring end there. And, and just, you, know. you know, got down to the last defensive possession. You know, they were down by two, and Paul George hit a fadeaway jumper. Yeah. I mean, he's an all-star talent for a reason. You, in, it hurts, but sometimes you just tip your cap to unbelievable players, and it's not because the Spurs did anything wrong. It's because they did something right. And, you know, you always say, like, oh, you know, they're paid a lot of money for reasons, too, and Paul George has paid a lot for his offensive prowess, and that just unfortunately happens. So it just yeah. stinks to lose that game because then you got to wake up and play a back-to-back. A back-to-back is always uh, a doomsday scenario. Even if there's not travel involved, it's yeah. still tough. Even if there's no travel involved, and not to mention you're going from the second-best team in the West to the first-best team in the West. By the way, the Lakers, who were playing their second game in a Staples Center since uh, taking on the Trailblazers the night they honored Kobe, and you better believe that they were pissed off by the defensive effort they gave that night and letting Dame go off yeah. from the jump. The Lakers were playing that game like it was the playoffs. And you mentioned tipping your cap. I mean, LeBron James, he, he's a guy who's a front-runner for MVP. They did a good job in the first half on LeBron, by the way. And then No he, one <laughs> really—yeah, the, I will say this. And everyone, I mean, they entered the first half down 10 points, but it was 51-41. to 41. They held the Lakers to 51 points at halftime, yeah. and that was a hell of a defensive effort. The fact of the matter is they couldn't get the dang ball in the hoop, and that was not because they were really missing a ton of shots. Patty Mills was terrible, Rudy Gay was terrible, and LaMarcus Aldridge was terrible. Yeah. But it was just because the Lakers were all over the place. I mean, they couldn't create an open look. Yeah. And that I gave the Lakers more credit than the Spurs missing their shot and not doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And the final score looked a little bit better offensively for the Spurs. But, um, you know, credit to the Lakers. And I think that they, the fact of the matter is the Spurs are not as good as the Lakers. Yeah. And to beat the Lakers, you need them to have an off night and the Spurs to play their A game. That's the way to beat them. Yeah. And the fact is the Lakers played 
a tremendous game. Yeah. And that just is going to, you know, the Spurs hung around as long as they could. That stretch LeBron had in the fourth quarter where he hits five straight three-pointers, I think one of the more memorable stretches LeBron has had against the Spurs, and this is a team that, you know, yeah. a guy that's he had a lot of He did that last year, too, if I remember. He, he did just, one of those fourth-quarter surges. Yeah, and, and he put the game away there, and that's what he He's a closer. He's one of the, the greatest of all time, if you will. Uh, a guy, like I said, he's one of the three or four mm-hmm. names you mentioned for MVP this year. He's going to close games for the Lakers. Uh, and, and let me tell you this. When LeBron James hits three-pointers, this has been it throughout his career. You're going to lose. That's the shot you want him to take. You're going to lose. I'm just telling you, like, you know, it's the same thing with Zion Williamson. Like, yeah. At some point, you do have to put pressure on him to say, like, okay, I need to, I just need you to get you off the line. I don't care yeah. if you score two. I just need you to stop getting these looks. But when LeBron hits threes, you are going to lose. There is no, like, option. There is nothing that the Spurs can do more. Yeah. Like, if they run up on LeBron, he will drive past you and get an easy deuce or an easy kick out for a three for somebody else. Yeah. You just force him to help take threes, and you hope he misses. Yeah. So the road trip continues in Portland tonight. And it's a huge game. It's a, I mean, I Portland is the team it. right above them in the playoffs. They're the ninth seed right now. I think half a game separates mm-hmm. them in Portland. Uh, two and a half right now separates the Spurs and the Grizzlies. So they got to win while they can. I think, you know, it's an important game. Every game at this point in time is important. Um, but still, you got to beat the guys ahead of you if you want to move up. Yeah. And with the rodeo road trip again, this, uh, I said this on air on Sunday. When you look at the rodeo road trip and the layout, this is not a time to look at the standings and worry about making up ground. Yeah. You're not, the Spurs are not here to make up ground on the rodeo road trip. They are here to not implode their season. And when you're just looking at games objectively speaking and saying these are ones that we possibly can steal, Portland is one. Sacramento is another. One of the games in OKC is the other. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Because, yeah. I mean, they play what they play in Denver, which I think they're going to be pumped up to play in Denver after getting bounced from the playoffs. I think that's certainly a, a matchup they're going to be more excited for than yeah. Denver is, vice versa. I agree. Uh, um, yeah. And then, I, you know, I know they play OKC twice. I think, that, I think, I think that's, that's my it. Idea. Yeah. yeah. At so, least before the All-Star break. They might have one or two games. They, they, they play, they play OKC again after the All-Star break, is, yeah. and then they have one other one that I'm blanking out on. And then they're back home. But like you're saying, the rodeo road trip isn't going to make the playoffs with the Spurs, but the Spurs can miss the playoffs in the rodeo yeah. road trip. You know, that's why it's like you can't make – you can't make the playoffs early in the season, but you can certainly put yourself out of the playoff run, which yeah. is what that eight-game losing streak is doing to the Spurs right now, right? Right. Like, <laughs> they are just, this, as we've said, it's a 500 team battling uphill because they put themselves in such a hole because they're a different team now than what they were. So um, it is what it is, but when you look at Portland, just because they are the neighbors next to you in the standings, this game is monumental. You have to win this game. You have to, you have to, you have to, or else the pressure is on now. Yeah. To steal one in Denver, and like now we're trickling into options where you just you're putting your backs up against the wall, and that's why the Clippers won hurt because it gave you wiggle room. That was the one. I mean, they had the chance there, and they blew it. And the Spurs are going to get a healthy dose of Damian Lillard tonight, mm-hmm. a guy who has been on another level of insanity. He's a guy. Yeah. I mean, you think back to the shot he hit against the Rockets five, six years ago in the playoffs. Uh, he's a guy who's been known for these big moments, these big yeah. shots. Um, He's insane right now. We talk about the last 15 games, 36 points per game, 47% from three. He had a six-game stretch that wrapped on February 1st, which he went 61 points, 47 points, 50 points, 36 points, 48 points, 51 points per game. That's 54% from three in that stretch as well. That's insane. During that 15-game stretch, he averaged 43 points per game from home in seven games at home. So the Spurs are going to have a have a lot uh, to a lot on their plate tonight. You know, with him, and that's so. going to be another thing if if. He goes off. I don't know what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Look, if I'm Popovich, 
I'm just telling the, tonight, tonight, where I'm telling DeJounte and Derek, when you are in the game, I don't care about your offense. Yeah. I want you playing defense as hard as you can on him. Get the ball up the court, distribute, let DeMar run the show offensively, yeah. let LaMarcus do his thing. Like, just rely on your teammates for the offense. Tonight is a night where I don't need them to be offensively minded. I need them to just limit Damian to 30. Yeah. Like, that's really it. You're not going to stop him, but, and, and just let him shoot the half court threes that he does. And if yeah. they go in, what do you want? I, I like. I don't know what to tell you. Like it just. It's regardless of him being one of the best players in the world right now. Like it's not a high percentage yeah. shot. So I just like you just have to let like guys like him and Trey Young shoot those. Yeah. And take your risk. And you know if he makes a few of them, then you got to push it up a little bit. And uh, we'll see. I you know if there's one thing about the Spurs right now, they are playing pretty decent, pretty decent defensively. Yeah. So. Um, you know, they held, uh, they beat Portland early in the year, and then they lost to them late. Both of them were really tight games. I, the spread, I think, last I checked was about three, three and a half points in yeah. favor of Portland. I expected to be a down-to-the-wire sort of game. My feel is something's going to happen in the fourth quarter where Damian takes over, or yeah. you know, because just the fourth quarter is where the Spurs stumble. So it's going to be one of those where Spurs are up, and then a tie, and then Blazers go up, and then the Spurs make a run, and then... Pfft, I'm expecting something big from LaMarcus Aldridge tonight. Um, that's kind of been the yeah. uh, the hole on this Trailblazers team is who guards the front court. You know, I mean, they've been relying on Hassan Whiteside uh, to play meaningful minutes, and I, I thought before the season that was going to be a recipe for disaster. And, of course, the Trailblazers are out of the playoffs right now, and I think a lot of that hinges on that and the health issues they've had there. Mm-hmm. Nurkic still isn't back. Um, but, yeah, LaMarcus returning home to Portland. I know it's been a few years since, you know, the Spurs acquired him in the free agency uh, and he left Portland, but he always gets fired up for these games. Mm-hmm. He's had some pretty big games there. Um, yeah, LaMarcus has to be the engine tonight. I think you're right on that you're relying on DeJounte and Derek White. You're probably going to see a lot more minutes out of Derek White tonight than maybe Bryn Forbes. I think he kind of will end up absorbing I don't that know. guard role. Man, I, love, I hope you love somebody the way that Pop <laughs> loves Bryn Forbes and has the constant patience for this man. I mean, you know, at some point, can can we just see DeJounte and Derek play together, yeah. like non-fourth quarter? Like, what what is... What is the harm here? I mean, Pop has spoken to, oh, yeah, I see that we need to do that, and it just hasn't really happened yet. I mean, White's just, minutes yeah. have increased a little bit, but it's all in the fourth. And, and we're probably not going to get a good answer to that, if an answer at all, till after the season when we have the, the, our final press yeah. conference with Popovich and we can say, reflectively speaking, why did you do this? Because that's really the only time he entertains these sort of questions. He doesn't handle them during the season. He yeah. just does what he does. And I, a lot of it is just based on who's hot. Like you saw in that, that – um, that uh, Lakers game, mm-hmm. Brent Forbes got a lot of time. He was making threes. Brent, uh, Patty wasn't. Patty was off the court. So he, a lot of times, just riding a hot hand, which you have to do. But uh, <laughs> it's just defensively, it's a problem. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I would just, at some point, I would even rather see Marco play the starting role mm. and just take Bryn into the Marco role, which is parking a parking a seat that's a very unpopular opinion very <laughs> much so it's a hot take uh, it's a I'm, hot take yeah i think if you ask a lot of spurs fans they say hey start lonnie in that role i don't think he's ready to start that no, and of course and then you're losing the three-point shot that you're hoping and, to get from brandon Marco. and a lot of people bring that up and here's the thing because like people go oh lonnie can shoot threes the spurs don't want lonnie to shoot that many threes he is an elite slasher yeah okay and he's and he's already being put into a role, which is stand around in the corner and shoot threes. And he's been very—I mean, he's been very successful beyond the arc. Yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with that. But 
when you make Lonnie Walker into a guy who's beyond the arc, you are eliminating his extreme athleticism. The Spurs don't want him to lose that. Yeah. They want him to be the athletic freak and push it and slash. They don't want to relegate him to a role where, it, which is Bryn, which is space to four, shoot the three. Space yeah. to four, shoot the three. That stunts his development. And I know that pisses you off in the present, but they're doing it because they don't want him to be like that in the future, and you have to understand that. As frustrating as it sounds, sure, he can fit that role. I yeah. think he absolutely could, but it would not behoove the team moving forward to pigeonhole him in that role and mess with his development. There's a play against the Clippers in which Lonnie Walker caught the ball at about the elbow, and he faced up his man, took it about eight feet back behind the three-point mm-hmm. line, and then drove on him. Yeah. And it was, he's an explosive player. You got that athleticism. You do not want to lose that. Um, I love him with the second team being one of those primary ball handlers. It's, if it's not Mills, it's Walker while he's out there. Mm-hmm. Or it's White, you know, it's Walker. And White-Walker has been a fun combination <laughs> just in terms of the Game of Thrones <laughs> references. But uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, quickly before we, we wrap up here, I just have one last big quick picture question for you. Given the run that Damian Lillard is on, has he entered his name into the MVP conversation, or does it still come down to a two-horse race between LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo? I, I think it's still a two-horse race, but Damian is for sure uh, of an option creeping up. Yeah, The record has to change for me to finally say that Lillard is in the conversation, but, but there is no doubt that it's a two-man race with a third guy coming. Yeah. And Lillard is there in uh, in the the circle where we're we're having these discussions right now it's two names floating and he's like poking his way into the circle. Um so the answer is sort of. Yeah. Sort of. We will see how the rest of the season goes because if Portland makes a run, makes the playoffs, I mean, you're going to have a great argument for three men out there. Yeah. Um LeBron is a, f- a freak of nature. Giannis is the freak by name. And then also you have Damian Lillard, who is just literally carrying this team. I, I, I think, yeah, you're right. Two-man race. If it's not Lillard making a case for it with this run, I think Nikola Jokic is a guy coming off a 30-20-10 game, only the second time in yeah. I think the last 30 years that's yeah, been done. Yeah, Jokic in a team, he's never going to get the love that he needs. Yeah. He's just like a rung below. Yeah. Like, there's those three guys, and then there's just whatever the next rung is, and he's over there. I'll always go to back for a battle. I'll always go to battle for Nikola Jokic. I love Jokic. Yeah, he's the man. We stand here on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And we hope that you stand us here, too, at the Big Fun Pod. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to like, subscribe, and rate us. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button on the bottom right. All of our previous episodes, since we've been taping them, are on the playlist. On this side or that side? Oh, man. Uh, that one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know where it is. You, you can find it there. Uh, any last thoughts, Evan, before we call it a day? Uh, hopefully the next time we speak, uh, it won't be that the Spurs still haven't won a game on the rodeo road trip. Uh, the next time we speak, I believe, is entering the All-Star break, yeah, correct? Yes, so we'll have some t- conversation about the All-Star game and kind of the changes they've made to it as well the here, changes, too. changes. So. We'll talk about the All-Star game, and maybe we're going to go some, I think we discussed some big picture stuff. Yeah. Some, some things that we don't normally have time to talk about during one episode to really take a step back and analyze things. And I know that uh, something I talked to you with is sort of analyzing why the Spurs are in this position, yeah. why the Spurs are stuck in the middle of the road without any idea of where to go. And, and we can sort of go down that road yeah. and explain why we're at the fork. 
I think so. I think that's a great time to take a big picture look. Yeah. And we might even have a third voice here next week. We're not going to yes. tell you who it is next uh, right now, but uh, yes, yeah, impossible. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> um, you know, keep keep an ear out for that yeah, yeah. Uh, as we get. Ex- well, there's a lot of exciting things here happening here at the Big Fun Pod. So, uh, Evan, thank you for joining me here. Oh, thank you. Well, that's all our, all we have to say about the trade deadline. So it's it's over with. This is it. This is it. All right. Do nothing. Adios. Yeah.